0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Langs, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part three of Pastor Michael's
1: teaching in Ezra, chapter one, called The Royal Decree. I know for some of you this captivity has been nonetheless real. It's been hard. Because you've had things that you were used to stripped away. And that's what happened to the people of Israel. And they were, they said, How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Their captors would say to them, Hey, sing one of those worship songs the way you used to sing back in your homeland. And they they said, How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? They were devastated. But God's word came to pass, which he spoke through Jeremiah. And his word was this, 70 years of captivity are coming on my people. Now I told you we'd look at Jeremiah, and I know we're (laughs) still in verse (laughs) 1. But this is an introduction to the book of Ezra. And I want you to turn it over to Jeremiah so you can see the word of the Lord that was fulfilled through the mouth of Jeremiah. There's several passages we can look at. We'll just look at two. The first one is in Jeremiah 25. And we ask the question, why did Israel end up in captivity? Or maybe how did they end up in captivity? Jeremiah 25, verse 6. And as you locate the text, I just want to give you a little bit of my heart right now. So here we are. Uh, We've experienced something that God has allowed. And I am not going to conjecture on telling you that I know all the reasons. I just know God has allowed this. But I will tell you this. That when God allows something, it's, he'll exploit it. Whether, whatever the source of it is, he'll exploit it often for his good purposes. He can exploit evil for good. We see this in the life of Joseph, for example. And so God has exploited this time for many of us for his good purposes to draw us back to God. To maybe move us away from idols that were crowding him out in our lives. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe he's gotten your attention lately and mine as well. I pray he has. Sundays, for example. Sundays, God is being crowded out of his day, the Lord's day. There's a debate in the church about Sabbath. We'll put that aside. Let's just talk about Sundays and how culture has swung and how God has been crowded out, about, out of so many things, including schools and holidays. And I could go on and on. Public life, his decrees wanting to be stripped from the, the walls of the courts and so forth. People who say they walk by a cross and it makes them sick to their tummy and on and on it goes. So God has allowed this. In the case of Israel, and I want to be careful to make sure you understand that this now is Israel's situation, not ours exactly, although I think there are some parallels. Here's what it says. Jeremiah 25, 6. Do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them. Do not provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. I will do you no harm. And I will do you no harm. 7, Jeremiah 25. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant. Notice Babylon was God's tool of discipline and will bring them against this land and against its inhabitants and against all these nations round about. And I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and a horror. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon. What's your Bible say? Seventy years. Now over to Jeremiah 29. Ezra 1.1 says the word of the Lord fulfilled by the mouth of Jeremiah. So what does Jeremiah say about the end of these 70 years? Jeremiah 29:10 says thus says the Lord when 70 years have been completed for Babylon that is the captivity I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place returning from captivity is what the book of Ezra is about for I know the plans that I have for you proper context of Jeremiah 29:11 Israel in captivity now able to go home declares the Lord their plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Do I believe that we can apply Jeremiah 29 11 to our lives? Certainly believe we can. But it was written originally to the captives uh, in Babylon. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me, notice, with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Back to Ezra chapter 1. This was the word that the Lord brought through Jeremiah. And now he stirred the heart of the king of Persia. And just a quick history, the king of Persia, uh, the next world empire after Babylon. Babylon went down in October of 539 B.C., And we won't turn there for the sake of time, but you'll remember that King Belshazzar held a party in Daniel chapter 5 and he brought out the vessels of gold and silver taken from the Jewish temple and he had a party, a drunken party, and he worshiped and praised the gods of silver and gold and he drank from the holy vessels, he and his party guests, and a hand appeared and there was writing on the wall and the Bible says his knees began to knock together and he wasn't feeling so good. And the... Inscription from a just a hand that appeared by itself said, you've been weighed in the balances and you've been found wanting. And that night Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians. Many believe under the leadership at that moment of Cyrus, king of Persia. There's uh, some debate, but Cyrus may be a, another name for Darius or Darius may be a title. And Darius appears in the book of Daniel chapter six and everything that goes with the lion's den. But this is the second, uh, or the next world empire, I should say, after uh, Nebuchadnezzar did what he did. Persia then defeated Babylon. And the Persian king, stirred by God at the end of the 70 years, said, it's time for the captives to go home. And so this is the proclamation that he made. Verse 2, Ezra 1. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven. This is a phrase we also see in Jeremiah. It's unique to just a few books of the Bible. There's no temple, so he's the God of heaven. He's the God of heaven anyway, but you get the point. has given me, says Cyrus, all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me, notice, to build him a house, that's the temple, in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Now the temple had been destroyed, so it was time for a rebuilding project. And Cyrus says, God has stirred me. I'm putting it in writing to go and fulfill his good word. His temple is going to be rebuilt. The vessels are going to go back. The captive people are going to go back. And Cyrus from extra biblical literature, had a, apparently a uh, modus operandi, you could say, a mode of operating where he allowed captive peoples to return to their homelands. So this may not have been unique just to Israel, but remember Israel is at the center of the Old Testament story because Israel is the people from whom the Messiah comes. And remember, if you're a Gentile, if you're a non-Jew, you've been grafted into Israel. And we have Jewish roots, we say, to our faith. That's why you need to understand these connections. And so the decree comes because God stirred the heart of Cyrus and the people of God, of course, were praying for redemption. Abraham Lincoln said, I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of those about me seemed insufficient for the day. So the God of heaven seen in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Daniel, that expression, the God of heaven, moved Cyrus. And he said, whoever there is among you, all of his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, now here's the decree, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem, Jerusalem being the city of God. And every survivor, probably who escaped the sword of Babylon, and whatever place, at whatever place he may live, Let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with a freewill offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Now Cyrus says, go back, go home. Those of you who have survived and go and build the temple because this is what God has stirred in my heart. And the royal decree is from Cyrus, but you can see it's from the king of kings. It's from God Almighty. Seventy years came to a conclusion and God said, go back now and rebuild the house. That's kind of how it feels right now for those of us longing to be back in the house of God, if I can say it that way, to worship. We want to come back and and we have some things to rebuild. We are going to need all hands on deck. But I have to tell you, we've always needed all hands on deck. And you guys have been a wonderful serving congregation. But do you think that we could all step up our game? I know we could. I know I could. I know we can make a more of an impact as incredible as the story of living truth has been these last 13 years by God's grace. There's more for us to do, brethren. There's more for us to dream. There's more for us to put in place. There's more people to reach. There's more souls to minister to. Are you with me? And so when we return, may God double, triple, quadruple, do whatever he wants to do to use us to impact while we yet have breath in our lungs. Do you know of the captives that ended up in Babylonian captivity, scholars tell us that only about 2% of them went back to their homeland to rebuild. You may ask, why? Why would captives in a foreign land not go back in droves? Why wouldn't it be 100% of the people? Well, let's for a moment, moment give the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say that some people maybe couldn't go back. Maybe they had health issues. Maybe there was something else going on. There's no evidence that even Daniel made it back, because he was probably a very old man, you know, when Cyrus became the king. But every able-bodied person should have been chomping at the bit, right? Why did only 2% of the people go back? Some say because they became comfortable in Babylon. Some people say because some scholars say because the prospects of going back to rebuild is, is more than they wanted to deal with. They didn't want to go to a rebuilding project. They didn't want to do the work. And this is very much human nature for all of us. we got to fight it. Sometimes we just want it all to be done. We want to snap our fingers and come back to something that's already done. And I certainly understand that on a human level, but only 2% of the nation. And we need our hearts stirred. And Cyrus, who's apparently a pagan king, he may have come to know the Lord at this point of his life. He's the one calling the people back saying he's been stirred and he wants you to go back now and rebuild the temple and what's implied in these in verses three and four is that if you're not going to go back you should at least support the work with silver and gold verse four with goods and cattle and with a free will offering
0: you'll hear more from pastor michael in a moment
1: Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app.
0: Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word, but it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth.
1: Do you know, of the captives that ended up in Babylonian captivity, scholars tell us that only about 2% of them went back to their homeland to rebuild. You may ask, why? Why would captives in a foreign land not go back in droves? Why wouldn't it be 100% of the people? Well, let's for a moment moment give the benefit of the doubt. and Let's just say that some people maybe couldn't go back. Maybe they had health issues. Maybe there was something else going on. There's no evidence that even Daniel made it back because he was probably a very old man, you know, when Cyrus became the king. But every able-bodied person should have been chomping at the bit, right? Why did only 2% of the people go back? Some say because they became comfortable in Babylon. Some people say because, some scholars say because, The prospects of going back to rebuild is is more than they wanted to deal with. They didn't want to go to a rebuilding project. They didn't want to do the work. And this is very much human nature for all of us. We got to fight it. Sometimes we just want it all to be done. We want to snap our fingers and come back to something that's already done. And I certainly understand that on a human level, but only 2% of the nation And we need our hearts stirred. And Cyrus, who's apparently a pagan king, he may have come to know the Lord at this point of his life. He's the one calling the people back, saying he's been stirred and he wants you to go back now and rebuild the temple. And what's implied in these, in verses three and four, is that if you're not going to go back, you should at least support the work. With silver and gold, verse four, with goods and cattle and with a free will offering. I will tell you that we've been, so encouraged by the faithfulness of God's people to give to this ministry. We've been able to meet our budget every week by God's grace. And that means that you guys care about the ministry. And I know you care about the things of God. That's why you give. And uh, I, I will say on behalf of the staff and the elders and pastors, we're grateful because uh, you've given, you've supported the work. And and I can't help but think of missionaries, you know, not everyone of us is called or goes to Uh, oversees missions for example or goes to another country but many of you support missionaries and that's an awesome thing notice the heads of the father's households five of judah and benjamin judah and benjamin represent the southern kingdom remember the north was taken by assyria in 722 bc judah and benjamin in the south were taken by babylon uh, starting in six about 605 and down through 586 bc but these heads now of the father's households of Judah and Benjamin, the southern tribes, uh, and the priests and the Levites arose. And everyone whose spirit, notice, God had stirred. The same word as in 1-1, one, one, for God stirring the heart of Cyrus, he also stirred the father's hearts of the households and the priests and the Levites. And would to God that ha- leaders of households will say, as for me and my house." We will serve the Lord. We need the heads of households to say, I will raise my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Amen? We need the heads of households to say, you know what? What's non-negotiable for this family is that we serve the Lord. We worship the Lord. This, this is who we are. And so he stirred the fathers. And we need fathers to be stirred and the hearts of fathers to return to their children. And he stirred the priests and the Levites. We need the spiritual leaders to be stirred and everyone else God stirred to rebuild, to go back to rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all those about them encouraged them. Uh, Perhaps those who couldn't go with articles of silver. And some believe these are even foreigners, kind of like when they left Egypt in the Exodus, the Egyptians gave them stuff and said, here, take it and go. They encouraged them, notice, with articles of silver, with gold, with goods, with cattle, with valuables, aside from all that was given as a free will offering. You get the picture that they were stirred up and they were loaded up with goods and ready to go back and undertake the project. God does use, you know, people who give means to accomplish his ends. And here that happens. Even the king got involved The king uh, Cyrus brought out or removed the articles of the house of the Lord. Those who had been originally captured by Nebuchadnezzar uh, and had been carried away from Jerusalem. You can note Daniel 1 and Daniel 5 that were put in the house of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought out by the hand of Mithridat, the treasurer. And he counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. Some believe that Sheshbazar is another name for a leader Uh, in Israel, who's a very prominent name, Zerubbabel, and that Sheshbazar was his Persian name. That's up for debate, but notice at the end of verse 8, this Sheshbazar was called the Prince of Judah, and uh, there is a connection of Zerubbabel to the royal line, and that's why some people believe that it's an alternate name name of Zerubbabel. Um, Sheshbazar is indeed a bizarre name, but uh, anyway, it may be Zerubbabel. Now, Last few verses, this was their number. This has to do with now the items brought out to go back out of the pagan uh, strongholds or freed from the the pagans to go back to the temple. 30 gold dishes, 1,000 silver dishes, 29 duplicates. Uh, ESV says 29 censers. Hebrew word's a little difficult. Silver pans, NIV, knives, New King James. Silver incense burners, says the New Living. 30 gold bowls. 410 silver bowls of a second kind, a 1,000 other articles, all the articles of gold and silver numbered 5,400. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, those numbers don't add up to 5,400. No, they add up to 2,499. I think the 5,400 is a number that includes all the smaller items that are, were not as prominent or as important. And so the total number was 5,400. Sheshbazar, maybe he's a rubber bowl here, brought them all up with the exiles, who went up from Babylon to Jerusalem. And so the process begins of returning from captivity. Ezra chapter one, the royal decree. It's amazing how God works. You know, he he works to accomplish his sovereign purposes and his will cannot be thwarted. And that's why we are of good cheer, right? That's why we can have joy and peace in the midst of troubled times because God will fulfill his ultimate plans. The journey can get bumpy. The times can be rough. We do have our question marks. We know this has been a rough period for a lot of people, and we've lost a lot of people in our world to this virus, and we've lost a lot of Americans. But you know that worldwide statistics tell us that about two people die every second. Just think about that. That's a staggering number. As we've been together, there have been people going into eternity about one every... about. Two seconds. And we have been called to be vessels to get people to understand how to enter into the promises of God. And I leave you with a couple thoughts about being a vessel. These vessels were important for the Jewish temple, but there's not a temple anymore. We are God's temple. And write these two verses down to close and ponder. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7 says, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This treasure, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. We're his vessels. And finally, 2 Timothy two, twenty through 22 says, Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We want to be pure vessels of God. And... I just want to ask you, is the Lord stirring you? Sometimes uh, our beloved Paul, and I miss you, Brother Paul, if you're watching tonight, says, let's kick it up. And maybe another way to say it is, let's stir it up. Lord, stir us up. We're excited about the next chapter. And we know you've been speaking to us. And we know you've been working. And we know you've been reaching other peoples that uh, maybe would not have been reached any other way in your sovereignty. And now make us vessels. For the master's use, in Jesus' name.
0: You've been listening to The Royal Decree, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ezra, Chapter 1. And if you'd like to watch the video of this teaching, which also includes a time of worship, you can subscribe to the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Church. Or find us on your YouTube app. Hey, are you on Facebook? Well, then we should be friends. Are you on Instagram? Twitter? Well, follow us or tweet us or whatever. Anyway, we we just really want to connect with you. So search for us on whichever social media you hang out on. And we know you're on there. Don't pretend like you're not. We'd appreciate knowing who our listeners are and where you're listening from. So you can find us on social media when you search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, you may be asking, what is the main takeaway of the royal decree? Well, I think it's this, it's God's sovereignty, that God is on his throne making the ultimate royal decrees over the universe. And we take great heart in that. And one of the things we looked at is that the fact that the Lord moved the heart of the king of Persia, Cyrus, and even gave a prophecy about Cyrus and Isaiah 45. It's an amazing uh, attestation that scripture is inspired by God and that God is on his throne. We see that in the first chapter of Isaiah when, you know, King Uzziah died and the Lord was seated on his throne. He's not going anywhere. And speaking of God being seated on his throne, we are so grateful as churches opened this last Sunday on Pentecost Sunday. What a blessing to see how the Lord has moved, granted us favor. And, you know, if you were taking church for granted and maybe like, I don't know if I want to go today, I think that's pretty much over, at least for the short term. And I pray it's over for the long term. I pray that we'll make worshiping, assembling with the people of God our priority, our non negotiable, because that's what the Lord deserves. And He deserves much more than that. Well, hey, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And that's going to be something you're going to want to tune into because we all need to know how do we manifest the fruit? of the Holy Spirit. That's coming in Galatians 5 tomorrow on the broadcast. We're grateful that you're listening. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. Keep praying for us. We're praying for you and we will catch you next time on the broadcast.
0: And one more thing. Walk in Truth is a listener supported program. Your $5 donation is so appreciated. Please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 5 called The Fruit of the Spirit. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.